Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today, I want to talk to you about what I am dubbing the digital Karen. Oh, man. And y'all know what I mean when I say the Karen, right? The lady who asked to see the manager, has nitpicky complaints about every single part of her process or order or shopping experience or whatever. Well, I am seeing a wave of younger, much younger digital Karens who are online shoppers, specifically online shoppers of small businesses, product businesses, and handmade businesses. We've talked about customer service in a couple of different ways on this show, and I definitely want to give examples of what it's like in this world. But I have been seeing pretty recently, as in the last you know year or so, more and more conversation from other makers, shop owners, sellers who are having a really, really hard time emotionally and mentally dealing with the ridiculous ridiculous level of customer service issues that have been popping up for them in their inbox, in their DMs. There's a couple of accounts I follow that kind of try to make light of this where they share, you know, ridiculous Etsy custom order requests or DMs or one-star reviews for reasons that are outside of the shop owner's control. And I think if you guys have been in the small business space as a buyer or a seller, you really started to see a lot of this come out when COVID started and delays were happening across the board for big businesses like Target and Amazon and small businesses like ours and tiny businesses like mine. Shipping delays, order delays, not only for the supplies that we need to run our business and make your item or fulfill that order, but also then when we drop it off at the post office, the delays in getting it to you. So I feel like this first kind of started around this time last year when stuff started shutting down, slowing down, taking longer, and customers needed to be educated on what is actually in control of the shop owner or the business owner and what isn't. And I think for a long time, a lot of us as buyers 
have really convoluted the experience of buying on Amazon or Shopify or Nordstrom's.com and tied that same level of expectation to shops on Etsy, small businesses on Shopify, whatever. And I, I kind of want to talk about today, not only how as a seller, can we like emotionally deal with this kind of new digital Karen era, but also as a buyer and a shopper, what are some different things that we can do to make it better for small business owners? Well, and I want to add to that, that I think there is a way that you can market yourself, put your business out there that avoids almost all of this completely. I definitely want to talk about that. I want your perspective on that big time. Because I know you specifically have not had to deal with a whole lot of that. And even at Boss Project, where we are getting hundreds of emails a day, for the most part, we have very, very kind and understanding people on our side. And so I do think there's a way you can go about how you run your business to avoid this kind of crazy expectations from your customer. Yeah. But also just avoiding like these interactions that are oftentimes completely unnecessary if a customer fell in the loop from the beginning. Right, right. I want to kind of go back in time too, because we've shared about this here in within Boss Project, one of the very first hires we had was someone who took over our inbox, someone who responded to customer emails, request, whatever, because you and I felt like it was really emotionally draining. It wasn't necessarily because they were negative. There were definitely like, okay, a couple here that maybe we read into, but it was more so just the constant back and forth communication of stuff that we just really didn't want to manage. But I found it really interesting when I started my own shop in 2019, I didn't have a budget to outsource customer service. I didn't have anyone who I wanted to bring on or that I could afford to bring on to take over my inbox. In my head, when I first started, I was like, oh girl, that's going to be the first thing you're going to want to get off your plate. Because remember, you didn't like this at Boss Project. It's going to be worse here because it's more sales, not more sales, but like more like it's a physical thing. Like I'm, it's a deliverable that I'm giving to you. There's more expectations with that thing. It's just in a different kind of headspace. Well, there's more things that can go wrong when it's not digitally delivered. So literally when I first started in my head, I was like, okay, how soon can I afford to outsource this? Cause I was thinking it's going to be this beast. I'm going to be in my inbox all day. And I started to see from other shop owners, I get hundreds of emails a day. I get you know, everyone asking where their tracking info is. I get these requests that I have to deal with. And that can sometimes feel like a full-time job if that's the level that you're getting. So I kept waiting for that and waiting for that and waiting for that. And I was months in and then a year in and I woke up and realized, oh, not only have I not outsourced that, but I absolutely do not need to. The amount of emails I get are laughable, like just hardly any about request for anything. So therefore, the customer service questions or issues I need to address just aren't there. And when they do come up, because it's bound to happen, something arrives broken or someone lost something or whatever, that happens, but it's done in like two emails. 
it's taken care of. And so I don't think I quite realized until just the other day when a friend of mine sent me this series of stories from a small business owner of the business that had since been shut down and their customer complaint was next level. And there was a lot of, I don't even know the words for it, but the conversation started, I've always been a fan of yours, but... And so she was like breaking apart every single kind of piece of the conversation psychologically, like not bashing the customer at all, but like, here's what this means when you say these things, here's what this means, whatever. So it's a really interesting set of stories where she was breaking all of this down. And it was very interesting, the conversation that was coming out of that, because the tone was the shopper was like holding themselves to this ridiculous pedestal because they were blessing you, this tiny small business that needs my my purchase. And if you don't deliver like overly exceeding my ex- expectations, then I'm not happy. And that's the root of that conversation. So it was really interesting to me. So I brought it up to you and I asked you on our phone call just now, I told you, I haven't gotten these emails. I've gotten literally out of thousands of sales. I've gotten one customer who said, where is my package? Can you help me locate it? And they were international. So like it was a legitimate, like it's been months and I don't have it. Worked her through with that. It was fine. Literally one, one, I can count on one hand how many like customer service quote unquote issues I've dealt with in my inbox. So I asked you, Why does it seem like it is such an issue for other small business owners, but it isn't for my shop? Well, and I think it's truly comes down to how you run your business and how you market your business. Because I've witnessed some PR disasters in the recent months, just dealing with COVID and, you know, all the delays that surround that. And I think there's people that handle it well and people that don't at all. And so I do think a big part of what set you apart as a small business owner, especially when shipping physical products, is that you are sharing your process all the time. So you show and illustrate that it does take a long time to produce a product you are in your social media account continually reminding people, here's when restock is. Here's when I expect to ship after a restock date. Here's the typical window you can expect. Or, you know, when you are batching something and it's going to take a bit longer, you hop on your stories and you talk about, well, guys, I can really only make six resin pieces at once. And so this is what this is going to look like for me. I think the more transparent you are, the more people tend to understand. It's when people are left in the dark that they feel helpless and like they're being taken advantage of. And I think that's what this really comes down to. I think a lot of people that reach out that are kind of (laughs) assholey, I think most times it comes from a place of frustration, not understanding what's happening on your end of the thing. Well, I think there's also another level of this conversation because yes, I 100% agree with you. And I think we see in the service-based world specifically that 
service-based business owners aren't being clear enough with their communication of deadlines, expectations, and here's what happens next and whatever. And looping your client in on that process like alleviates all of the concerns. However, in the, the small business, especially the handmade world, nine times out of 10, when specifically this Instagram account shares like because they do a really good job of like, it's a carousel of images that they share. And the first one is the customer's complaint. And the second one is the shop owner's response. And then typically the third one is a screenshot of the shop policies that are like in the header, in the product description, in the whatever, right? And it could be anything from, you know, a customer ordered a plant enamel pin but they are leaving a one-star review and a negative message because they thought they would be receiving a real plant. And it's next level misunderstanding. And so what I find really interesting is when shop owners are really clear about turnaround times and shipping information and measurements and sizes and whatever, there is still this level of digital careness where the person is still like, yeah, I'm still mad about it because I didn't understand it and it's your fault. And I don't know where that comes from. I think some people are shopping blindly. And I think this tends to be a bigger problem when you translate what you're doing to a third-party platform like Etsy or Amazon. Because at that point you are less in control of your messaging because more people are discovering you through the platform than potentially finding you on social media, following you, understanding you and your product prior to buying. And so I think what's happening with that is people do not read literally anything. And so you have to be very clear. And even me starting up selling digital art prints, I was very careful to include some additional disclaimers, like we sell vintage reproductions, which means there could be scratches or smudges or antiquing or things about the original piece that I'm not going to remove and I find like add to it. But those are the kinds of things someone could complain about if they didn't know that that was there. Similarly, I have a disclaimer on every product listing that we don't send physical prints and that we don't include a frame, which seems so obvious. But when you display your work as if it's framed on a wall, people jump to all sorts of conclusions. And especially when you end up in this third party arena, if there's like a plant and then a cute enamel pin, like barely sitting next to it and it's small and like out of focus... Are, do they think they're buying the plant or they do they think they're buying the pin? I don't know. It's up to interpretation. Obviously, it's annoying. But like, I think at that point, it comes down to you can have these beautiful setups for your product and like include those additional images that are really going to like sell how you could use it or where you could use it or like a pin on a jacket. Are they buying the jacket or are they buying the pin? You know, like I think this means your initial product image has to be as a basic. That's why all mine are just on white backgrounds. Exactly. There are so many makers who have like the fabric and a wooden ball, like garland and a plant and whatever. And first of all, that just takes longer. <laughs> I don't have time for that. 
But yeah, all of mine have always been just the one pair on a white background. Yeah, I really think a white background with just the product is important. And then if you want to include additional images for how someone could wear something or use something or have it in their house or whatever, I think those help sell the product. But you have to be so clear on the front end, especially when people are reading less and just making assumptions and going through the purchase process faster. I also think now that we're kind of diving into this, because it reminds me of something that happened a couple of weeks ago. So our friend Courtney Shaw posted something on stories where she was like, or her feed or whatever. And she was like, Hey, just FYI, I'm like setting a new boundary where I'm not taking any more coffee dates. I'm not doing zoom coffee dates. I'm not doing virtual hangout chat, like catch up dates. Basically it distracts me. It takes like way too much time out of my day. I'm just not doing them anymore. This is my like general PSA. And a bunch of people were commenting of just like, Oh, I should definitely stop doing these. Yes. It takes so much time, whatever, whatever. And I commented and I was like, I just find this so funny because I've literally never been on one of these in my whole career. No one has never asked me to do a virtual coffee date or a virtual catch up anything ever. And so she commented back and she said, I want to put off whatever energy you're putting off then. And so that got me thinking like, is it an energy thing? Is it a personality thing? Is it a vibe thing that some people put out where in the good way I can be unapproachable? Don't ask me to do virtual coffee because you know I'm going to say no. I'm obviously still connectable, like like people still like me enough to hang out with me or like respond and engage. But I do feel like there's some boundaries or not boundaries necessarily, but maybe tones of the way some things can be delivered that I just naturally talk like this. I naturally say things in this way where if this is not you, it might need to be a skill that you use. But for example, I find a lot And again, the examples I'm bringing up are in this maker world, but it could be in any industry where if the business owner is coming on to explain something, the timeline is going to be long for this stuff or this part's out of my control or whatever. It's always laced in this like, I'm really, really sorry about it. I wish I could change it. I'm so sorry. Please understand. And I get it. I get that. Why? I've literally never apologized for anything in my business ever. No. And I think that comes down to a lot of how you are treated is how you portray you can be treated. Right. And so I think if you are naturally, I don't know, I don't want to say a pushover, but like if you seem like the kind of person that someone could like poke and get what they want out of like then they're going to and if you're the kind of person that looks like you're going to stay in your ground and not budge on your policies then then people just learn to not ask you know and sometimes I do think it can be a vibe thing where like no she's not the kind of person that's going to change how this works so why bother yep but I do think setting boundaries regardless of what you're selling is so important and it could be when you answer your email or how quickly you get back to people or the kinds of questions that you'll even bother answering like we have an autoresponder at boss project and i would say eight times out of ten if you have a question our autoresponder actually answers it and so our team will 
usually respond anyway, but most of the time doesn't really need to. Yeah, what a concept. If you're a small business owner who sells products and the number one question you get is, where's my order? Make your autoresponder how they can find information on tracking their order because they don't need to be reaching out to you to do that. Well, that and if that's the problem, then they're not getting the right information up front. Whereas like, for instance, if you buy something from Amazon, the first thing you see is the little tracker doodad. And if I log back in, I can see my orders and look at it. Like if your business is not auto sharing shipping notifications or whatever, I mean, I know people that back in the day, just because it was easier, like they'd get a whole bunch of orders in and then they were using something like ShipStation or whatever. They'd print the label, but they didn't necessarily like scan things back in when they print or like when they actually took it to the post office. So it was never marked as like in the box. And so then people would never get the actual notifications, which are automatic from the postal service if you do the first part, but you have to do the first part. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. 
I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial actual tangible idea for you guys. If you are a handmaker and you have a two week processing time or three week or whatever it might be on really specific handmade items that aren't custom. Cause I feel like custom, you should have a whole client communication process on that, but maybe what could be cool. Say your turnaround time is two weeks. The person buys, they're going to get the order confirmation. If you're using Shopify, like those things happen automatically. Then they get nothing until you process their order to ship, but two weeks is going to pass. So could you turn on an automated sequence that happens a week after they place their order that just sends them a reminder like, hey, FYI, here's probably where I'm at in the stage of making your thing. Remember, there's another week that we're, you know, we've got to go for processing. You're going to get another email from me that lets you know when it ships. It's like just to update them. Yeah, I literally am in the middle of, do I message the maker? Do I wait? Do I message the maker? Do I wait? Because I ordered a product and this airs after so I can say, but I (laughs) ordered a product for my sister's birthday and they're, it's custom. And so like, she's illustrating a picture of her dog and putting it on a sweatshirt. And it's like the most adorable sweatshirt. I'm so excited, but she's like a brand new shop and she got she kind of like went TikTok viral and I happened oh, wow. to catch it like right at the beginning. And I'm like, oh God, is she going to cancel my order? Is she going to be able to do it? Is she okay? Like, do I need to message her and just check on her? Like as a, like as a friend, like I hardly know this girl at all. Like I just saw one video and I loved it and I reached out to her and I made sure I could do it, blah, blah, blah. But like, it was one of those things where it said two to three weeks. Yeah. And I think I'm technically still in the window. Then I wouldn't. So here's my advice for everyone who's buying handmade. And I'll just say this. One, if you're still in the window, don't fucking message. You're in the window. What's she going to say? You're still in the window. She's not going to give you any new information than what you already know. Don't do that. Not just for you. I'm yelling at everyone who does. No, 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 no. Don't do it. That's why I've been sitting on my hands. I like to wait even after the window. Like if your window is two weeks or whatever, so 14 and has it actually been 14 business days because you really need to count because when they say two weeks, give them the grace that means two weeks of business days, not weekends, okay? So actually count, has it really been it? I give a two to three day buffer window even after that until I'm gonna reach out. And at that point, it's just a like, I'm just making sure my order wasn't lost. Take your time. Still not worried about it. Like I'm just making sure that my order is actually still going to get done. No rush, whatever. Second thing I want to say is, yes, it sucks to get something late. Like, yeah, 
stuff after Christmas, stuff after birthday, stuff after anniversary, whatever. At the end of the day, who gives a shit? Like who gives a shit? I think that there has needed to be, and quarantine did this for all of us, slow down. (laughs) Now you don't, we don't need that instant gratification. Take a breath and honor the fact that like some things just take longer. And some of the reason why it might not get to you on time is out of that person's control. We don't know what's going on in their life. Yeah, if especially if a shop went viral, like she could be swimming in orders. And then what if like her kid got sick or what if this thing happened? Like we just don't know. And so I think the biggest lesson that I want everyone to take away is no matter what you're ordering, it's not a life-saving device. So you're going to be okay. And there seems to be this new air. And this, I think, was my biggest beef in the person who, when they were sharing their stories, the customer was, I'm not holding hostage the idea. I I don't know what the phrase I'm trying to say is, but like, I shop small and now I'm not going to shop small because you've ruined my expectations for it. And that's just, that's just rude and considerate. And And I'm just like, y'all, take it. For sure. Definitely calm down. And I think part of what's feeding this is I do think there's a lot of people that like genuinely respect that it takes longer and are willing to wait, but are still continually being trained by the rest of the internet that if it didn't didn't already happen, then it's late, you know? And I can't believe that I got so, I wouldn't say I got up in arms. I'm not an angry person at all. But like when Amazon went from like two days to sometimes five days or a week in the middle of COVID, mm-hmm. I was like, what the F is happening? And I was like, dude, this is not their fault. And, oh. and it it has been hard watching it like multiply everywhere and I think maybe that's what part of the problem is is this it's a collective frustration because at this point our entire supply chain is not right where it was pre-covid and so everything is taking longer like literally this is going to sound dated by the time you listen to it but on this week when we recorded it there's a cargo ship lodged in the Suez Canal which doesn't sound like a huge deal, but 10 to 15% of all products in the entire world go through this canal. And it's normally takes 12 hours to get through the canal. It has been blocking the passage for days. The alternative route takes more than a week to go down the entire continent of Africa. And so you're talking about 10 to 15% of literally everything in the world is now delayed a week. The like repercussions of one cargo ship in one canal can dramatically, it affects literally everything. And so I think we forget how interconnected everything was and how, and I don't even really know how it all started because I'm still more like the average consumer than I am the like shipping international expert over here. (laughs) But 
it's been surprising to watch how it's all so interconnected and how when one piece falls off that it, it really affects everything. Even like we have a friend who manages a warehouse for literally just like unloading and reloading semi trucks. They're just kind of like a stop on in the transition somewhere in the Midwest. But he was saying So for context, there's all these legal requirements of truck drivers that they can't drive more than a certain amount of hours over a certain amount of days. And most of them have a very specific route, like they only go back and forth from California to X state. They don't drive all the way across the country. Most of them don't because even if they're gone for days at a time, they still have a family and they still go home. Okay. And so what had happened and it was just, a, it's still happening. It, we're a year later and it's still happening. There's product that's coming to the Midwest, but then there's not enough semi trucks yeah. in the Midwest to continue the, like dispersing the product where it needs to go. There's literally empty cargo trucks sitting on the coast with no drivers for them. And so things are sitting sometimes weeks or months in a warehouse because there's no one to drive it. And they can't like just, they can't afford to go send a driver or fly a driver to an empty truck because it's just so until it's all ironed out, I don't know exactly how that'll continue to affect things, but it's all a domino effect because say you are a small business that utilizes wood in your product. Hopefully you don't because I feel bad for you right now. It like wood prices. Holy shiza. Like, it's crazy. Like, personally, I'm renoing a house and I've avoided more than half the projects on our list because they have wood in them, which sounds so simple. But when wood prices are, in some cases, four to six times higher than they were a year ago, you best believe I'm going to wait. Like, this little project that should be under 50 bucks could cost you $300. And I don't know. I feel like I could go on a whole rant about the whole thing, but... As consumers, we are taught to live in this bubble that you order something, you blink, and it's at your door. Mm-hmm. Well, I just ordered something this morning from Amazon, and it was like, if you order in the next hour, you can get it same day. I'm like, heck yeah. <laughs> For sure. And then you add on, well, now that there's like all the DoorDash and various pickup options for local I just think it multiplies the problem because people are used to that. Oh, well, if I put it in now, I'll I'll get it right away. And so how that affects you interacting with small business, I don't know. You just have to plan ahead more, you know? Yeah, I think it's about planning ahead more and just like being chill if it's not here. Like it's just like releasing expectations of what you think should happen because it's not in your control. And I think there are so many amazing businesses who are online that the idea of supporting small outweighs like someone's gift might be late. I also think like there's education needed because again, it seems obvious, but for this one particular story, the person was complaining. She didn't complain, but she said something like, 
you know, I bought this sweatshirt and it was expensive and now I have it. And I think she was complaining that it was pilling or something. And so the shop owner was like, yeah, it's a $50 sweatshirt. That is quote unquote expensive. So the customer was like, I don't understand why I could buy the same thing for cheaper at Urban Outfitters. And I'm like, how you don't understand that yet is beyond my comprehension. You recognize that a single person who owns a business and runs a shop is not the same as Urban Outfitters, right? You also recognize that there are many, many businesses that you aren't even, you don't want to be aware of who still use exploitative labor. Like, I don't understand this concept of like, why aren't you charging it (laughs) the same price I can get it over here? Well, and regardless of how they acquire (laughs) products for that, you have to also understand, even if it came down to it and you were able to track down the same wholesale product, you as a small shop, you're not buying ten thousand. No, you're not going to get the same price. No, you're just not. And so, it does cost more to produce. And as a consumer, it's hard when we are exposed to so many large brands that it is hard to get out of that mentality of like, oh gosh, it is thirty dollars more or whatever. But it's like, what are you paying for? Right. Like. Even with the custom sweatshirt I bought, I was like, is this enough? Like, am I paying her enough? Like, she's hand drawing this thing and then screen printing it on the sweatshirt and sending it to me. And it's still cheaper than if I went to Nordstrom or whatever. Right. And I'm like, how? Like, are are you getting paid enough? Like, can I send you a tip? No, probably not. She should probably most definitely raise her prices. But yeah, it's just this so silly concept of, you know, I want us to all take a minute and really understand like tracing our money back of when we buy something, where does that money go? And when you buy something from a small business owner, you can list the ways that where that money could go. It could go to their rent or mortgage, medical bills, their child's education, their groceries. Like it could go to things that you also need in your life. And when you're buying something in Urban Outfitters, you can't trace that dollar back at all. At all. No. no. And so it's a different mindset of buying. Yes, but it's also different expectations of where your dollars are going. And I think like my frustration just comes from like, how are we in 2021? And we're still having to educate about why prices at Walmart are different than my shop or someone else's shop or whatever, because I've never gotten that complaint. It's just baffling to me that we're still here. Well, I feel like we're preaching to the choir at this point. Like, you guys get it. And at the end of the day, you're probably sitting here wondering, how can I run my shop in a way to avoid the crazies and avoid the crazy conversations, but also how can I run it in a way that I'm also not like giving so much of myself away. And I do think it comes down to some super specific things you need to do. I saw recently a PR nightmare for a shop. And while there's definitely some people who were doing some very inappropriate things on the customer side, I do think the shop itself did not handle the situation well 
at all. And it just fueled the fire and made it worse. And so without disclosing the name of the business, essentially what happened is they are what I would consider a, they run a launch sellout model and they have gotten more popular as the years have gone by and historically have always sold out quickly. And I think for this round, try to anticipate more. And so they had a certain amount of stock for a launch and then they turned on pre-orders, but then they didn't cap pre-orders And they essentially got in a situation where there was absolutely no way they could fulfill the orders that they were getting. And instead of refunding, apologizing, saying, you know, after X, Y, like if you ordered after this time or this date, we're going to refund you and we're going to handle it. They literally just held these people's monies hostage and like months were going by And it wasn't like, okay, no, we got more than we expected. And here's how we're handling it. And we're actually going to figure out how to make it work. And here's what our plan is. There was just like no communication. And so it got to the point where they had so many frustrated customers that to handle the customers, they were blocking them on social media platforms. Oh, Lord, everything that could have gone wrong, they did. (laughs) God. And so they blocked them. And then you know what happens when you block them. And so there was like an uproar. And then someone made a TikTok about said business and how they were handling it. And like fuel to the fire, like hundreds of thousands of of these details when we get off the air. (laughs) (sighs) And I just was like watching. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you guys follow Rachel Peterson. I've like known about her previously. And then she like recently started popping up more on my TikTok for you page. But (laughs) she also educates small business owners. And she was just talking about like, how do you handle a PR crisis? How do you handle this? And wh- what do you not do? Yeah. And I will tell you some one-on-ones. Don't block your customers that are frustrated. Don't do that. Don't do that. Also, like, know what you're capable of fulfilling. Like, yeah. you have to, if you're running a sellout model, if you're going to take pre-orders, like, you have to know what is reasonable for you to get out in a set amount of time. If you wanted to open it back up, I would have preferred you say, I'm going to sell a hundred more. We're going to wait two weeks and then we're going to do another batch so that you could catch up and get stuff out the door. And say you did get to the point where you had the money, you had the orders and you couldn't fulfill them. The solution is never holding on to people's money and not fulfilling on what you said you were going to do. Yeah. So, well, so I think to kind of wrap up this episode, the two things that I want you guys to take away, at least how I look at it, especially now after having this conversation is it's kind of two parts that I want you to focus on as the business owner. First and foremost, communication. And I guess it's just communication all around, but there's two ways of doing communication. Communicate in every like 
capacity that you can over communicate, make information on your announcement bar, on the product description, on the confirmation email, on the shipping email, on your terms and service page, as a highlight in your Instagram, literally everywhere. There's also a plugin if you use Shopify or an app. I can't remember what it's called, but you could probably Google it where if you have like a specific two week turnaround, or it doesn't matter the timeline, if you have a specific thing after someone buys something that you want them to agree to or be aware of, you can have when someone adds it to their cart and they go to purchase, a pop up comes up and says, FYI, did you see that it's going to take, you know, six weeks for this to be processed before I ship it? Do you agree to that before buying it? And it's just, yes, it's a hindrance to people checking out, but I would much rather people acknowledge that thing right then and there instead of blowing up your inbox. You can also set up your autoresponder to answer frequently asked questions, send people to the USPS tracking website, just tell them to enter in their tracking, tell them the subject line of your order confirmation email or your shipping confirmation email because maybe they lost it like any expectations or whatsoever that you can put in there. The second kind of part of this communication is how you verbally communicate with your audience. And this is typically in video like format on stories, for example, if that's how you're using that platform for your business or even TikTok. I'm not saying don't apologize. That's not, that's not what I'm saying because I've definitely said I'm sorry to my customers many times. Don't apologize for a policy. Right. Don't apologize for a decision that you're making in your shop that protects your customers and sets expectations. Don't apologize for boundaries and don't apologize to sticking to them. There's time and places for saying sorry. Those are not one of them. Yeah. You apologize when perhaps things out of your control are happening. Right. And you want to you can feel empathize. for them. Exactly. You're like, I can't control that the USPS is right. a week and a half behind, right. but here's what I'm doing for you. Yep. 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 So I hope that helps from the seller standpoint, the business owner standpoint, but also just as serving as a reminder for all of us, because we all need it. We've all had these feelings of where's my shit? Why is this so expensive? Why is it taking so long? We've all had that. And I just think it's a great check-in for all of us as we go into a new season <laughs> to check our expectations, check our heart, our compassion for other businesses and like the intention behind all of our communications. So that's what I have to say on that. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. 
Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.